Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Welcome to Mama Mia Out Loud. It's what women are actually talking about on Monday the 10th of July. I am Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Claire Stevens. And on today's show, Jonah Hill, Kiki Palmer and the chat about boundaries that we really need to have. Also, is it time to cancel Bridget Jones? Spoiler. And what the F are furries and why should we care? But first, Mia. In case you missed it, you don't have to pack anything when you go on holidays anymore. A clothing rental program from Japan Airlines means that you can actually just book clothes to be delivered to you at the other end, at your hotel. The program offers clothing in sizes from small to extra large and in styles designated casual and smart casual. For example, a set of smart casual women's clothes would include a black peacoat, three jumpers, two tops, two pairs of wide-legged pants and a skirt. I think it's BYO shoes. A capsule wardrobe for your holiday. Correct. And a man looking for a casual winter basic pack might order a package with a puffer coat, two sweaters, two pairs of pants and a sweatshirt. Prices begin at roughly $28. Now, the reason they're doing this is because they're trying to see if it will reduce passengers' checked-in baggage and therefore carbon emissions. Oh, but do you have to bring the clothes home with you at the other end of the no, holiday? No, no, you don't. You don't get to it's keep like them. It's like a rental. Yes. Oh. It's rental. So, so they're good. not new. I mean, they're laundered. Sumimoto, which is one of Japan's largest trading companies, they're responsible for getting the clothes and laundering them and delivering the items and then picking them up when you leave. It'll all be sourced from overstock and pre-owned clothes and delivered to your hotel. I absolutely love this. There's a trend at my the moment nightmare. for <laughs> for people so... going to Europe to do like mood boards and come up with like oh, these are the outfits me. I'm wearing every day in Europe, which is my worst nightmare, would never do. I'm picking up what's on top of my suitcase. My hesitation is will the clothes fit? Will they look silly on me? I need a lot of photos of the clothes. But I hope that this concept really develops and that a whole lot of brands get on board. Because I would also like it for someone else to just choose what I'm going to wear on holidays. Because I've been looking at all those European Insta holidays too. And I know I was just on holiday, but it wasn't really a fashion moment kind of holiday. And I've seen all these people and was like, I'm at a club in Eos and here I am in in the outfit that I chose. And it's this little time. I'm like, what the fuck would I wear to a club in Eos? Not that I'm going to one, obviously I'm 50, but I, I like this idea. It could style me, holiday Holly. <laughs> See, that's my problem. I shop for the club in EOS, except I'm just at work. <laughs> so I have a whole wardrobe of clothes suitable for a life that I don't even have. Over the weekend, the messages of two high-profile men went viral and have started a debate about boundaries in relationships. The first was actor Jonah Hill after his ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady issued a warning to all girls in a series of social media posts. 
alleging the actor emotionally abused her throughout their year-long relationship in 2021. Now, it's worth noting she shared what appeared to be screenshots of messages between herself and Hill. Not cool. But at the time of recording this, Hill hasn't responded. I also am going to say emotionally abusing, that's a very strong word. I mean, we don't know everything that's gone on, but as Holly said, and we're not saying we're Team Jonah on this, this story is complicated and problematic. Jonah Hill has also just had a little baby with his Mm -hmm. new partner, Mm -hmm. and so people are kind of questioning the timing of it. However, Brady shared a list of rules or plain and simple boundaries given to her by Hill in a screenshot of what she claims were texts sent from him on December 2nd, 2021. Here's what the screenshot that's gone totally viral says. Plain and simple. If you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate relationships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past, beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. In one of the texts, Hill says he's been as vulnerable as possible and needs her to step up to the plate. Then says if she wants marriage and a family, she needs to step up and cut the shit. The second man was boyfriend of Hustlers and Nope actor Kiki Palmer. Can we just talk about Sarah for one second and that conversation before we get to Kiki? The way the internet is receiving this is emotional abuser, red flags, very bad Jonah Hill. Sarah Brady's asking people to boycott his documentary, which has been out for a really long time. Stutz. Stutz, which I think has been recommended on this show. Uh It's a sort of an interview between him and his therapist. So he's sort of put himself out there, and I think this is part of her problem, as being quite an evolved, emotionally intelligent person who's willing to interrogate his psychology and inner world. One of the first things you got me working on was my life force. That was such an immediate thing that can change your life and something that I think anyone can easily latch onto. And it was the first step for me in beginning the process of getting better. Devil's advocate, if you lay out what your boundaries are, how's that a bad thing? He is weaponizing the language of therapy and he is not actually talking about boundaries. Boundaries are a healthy limit you set for yourself to protect your own well-being and integrity. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, I can't be with someone who does these things because it makes me feel the too upset. The problem is the judgment that comes with this, right? Because, yeah, what's the difference between boundaries and rules? Because what he's really laying down are rules. If you want to be my girlfriend, these are the rules you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why women have almost universally gone, ugh, when they read this is because we all recognise elements of this guy, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it goes without saying, although we'll say it as Claire already has, it's not cool that she's released these texts. The timing is very suspicious, him just having a baby. There are other people on the internet saying their breakup was messy and difficult and all those things, and I'm sure that's true. But lots of women, myself included, recognise the controlling man in these messages oh, yes. very clearly. The judgment that goes alongside it about sort of like your wild past and your boundaryless thing and your chaotic girlfriends and all this stuff is just so icky and difficult to hear. Because the subtext is you're a dirty slut. Yeah. yeah. 
and there is implied shaming in all of yeah, that. Yeah, he's shaming her. He's shaming her and suggesting that she can't be around these people and control herself or keep herself nice for him. The whole thing about no pictures in your swimsuit, she's a surfer. Mm. And the reason they're together, Jonah Hill's a mad surfer. It's one of the things he does for his mental health. If you've watched Stutz, as I have, I know you have too, Claire, we know a lot about Jonah Hill. He's invited us into his brain. I started um, watching and found it insufferable we and know turned it off. He has a lot of issues. Mm. We know that he's very very self-aware about them. What kinds of issues does he have? Lots of self-hating body image stuff, lots of I'm not good enough kind of narratives going on. And the thing is, is that this is weaponizing therapy speak because we're all about boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. But when you impose boundaries on someone else, that's rules and it's not cool. I think this is terrifying. The fact that he has made that documentary and by sharing his vulnerabilities, he became incredibly likable. It formed this narrative that we go, God, I really relate to that guy. And I see his career differently and I see him differently. And now to see that he at the time was allegedly using that speak and almost using the power he had got from understanding these psychological terms to then speak to a woman and basically say, this isn't saying like, you can't cheat, you can't murder somebody I love. This isn't like objective moral truth. This is, I'm not comfortable with you doing your job. I'm not comfortable with you. You're not modelling. You're not modelling. I am not comfortable with Mm. you seeing your friends. These are all, like, I don't think emotional abuse is too strong a word for this. It's definitely coercive control. Look, you're probably right. I've been in a relationship with a guy like that for two years and it was definitely emotionally abusive. I just didn't have the words for it at the time. And I would, I have to say, even though I agree, I don't think it's okay to share people's private text messages. I hate that. But if I'd have read that, I would have perhaps gone, oh, yeah, right. And read the response to it. I might've recognized something I was experiencing and realizing that it wasn't okay. Had he rephrased it, in terms of, I'm just too insecure. I'm really sorry. Because he does try to say, if these things give you happiness, which is like shade really, because it's like, if you want to be a dirty slut, go for it. I wish you well. What people, if you haven't been in these relationships, might not understand is, well, why don't you just go get stuffed? It's hard to explain how you, and she showed this in subsequent text messages, you immediately bend and want to appease that person. And I think because the implication is that you're a dirty slut, and that's exactly what my partner implied and said outright, I think he even used those words, to me, you want to prove that you're not by yeah. saying, oh, yeah, of course, of course, I won't do all that. It that's presses not all what, your yeah. shame buttons. It does. It presses all your shame buttons and it makes you go like, well, of course I can be this person that you want me to be who, you know, doesn't go out for drinks with my friends, doesn't do things I love like surfing and modelling. Maybe that's the way she makes a living. Even though, as we've said many times, it's not cool that she released them. She is showing a side of somebody to the world that's very contrary to who we all thought he was. The only thing I'd say... And out of context, it's just the screenshots that she chose to release. Yeah, of course. And because who knows what she said. And she had cheated or she, like, there was some reason for mistrust that we're missing. Even still, the messages are completely inappropriate and worrying. But you're right, without the context... It does miss a little I bit. I just would say it's funny because I was listening to an interview with Robert Downey Jr., who's famously, you know, a guy who's battled addiction, battled chaotic behavior, battled mental health issues, 
and has now been in a long marriage. And he was asked what the secret to that marriage was and why his wife is the right person for him after years of, you know, more chaotic, let's say, living. And he said, she has absolutely unassailable boundaries. And if I cross them, I'm out. And what I would lose is just too great, right? And I think that when you gender flip it, it becomes more complicated to dismiss. I know women who have set boundaries for their romantic partner because of either actual behavior that was transgressive of what they've agreed, like so flirting with women, cheating, whatever, or imagined transgressions. And they've said, you can't text women I don't know. Say that's a boundary, for example. Be friends Mm -hmm. with your ex on Facebook. Now, I'm not a boundary imposer in that way, but often women are like, you go, girl. That's great. Yeah. But the thing is, and you can't overlook this, the reason why you can't gender flip it so easily is that the controlling man is a different beast. Am I being unfair? No, I think that's completely fair. And if you look at what women are asking, it's behaviour, again, with boundaries actually being about protecting you and not about controlling somebody else. It's you can't cheat on me. And that's not what Jonah Hill is saying. He's saying you can't see your friends, you can't post bikini pictures Mm. on Instagram as a surfer. I think I've noticed it in my own life, people using therapy speak to control or kind of comment on your behaviour. So it's like I have these boundaries for myself and you're actually frustrating me or you're crossing those boundaries by being yourself and you're like, I'm not part of your mental health plan. (laughs) Someone that didn't use therapy speak was the partner of Kiki Palmer. Yes. Who coincidentally is also in the news this weekend. Yes. So he was the boyfriend of Hustlers and Nope actor Kiki Palmer, Darius Jackson, also known as Darius Dalton. And the pair share a son together. Kiki went to an Usher concert. She was dancing with Usher. And when pictures and videos of her surfaced, Darius reposted those with the quote, it's the outfit though. You are mum. We have to explain the outfit and we have to explain the video because I think the context here is important and relevant. I personally don't think it's relevant what she's wearing. Indeed. But she is wearing kind of a see-through black dress with what looks like lingerie underneath that mm-hmm. you can see and she is dancing very close to Usher. To Usher on a stage in front of lots and lots of people. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of sexy, like dirty dancing yes. it's with Usher. So fine. Which is what Usher's about. <laughs> You're not going to do ballroom dancing with Usher, but anyway. <laughs> if she was cheating with Usher, she wouldn't be doing I it on know. a stage in front of hundreds of people. And she posted it on her social accounts. Yeah, clearly saying, like, look at me and Usher. Look at me and Usher, yep. And so Darius has posted, it's the outfit though, you and mum. He got a bunch of backlash and he's like, mm, clearly you've all misunderstood me. And he said, we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother of his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others. And he gets told how much of a hater he is. This is my family and my representation. I have standards and morals to what I believe. I rest my case. Do you, Darius? Do you indeed? Do we live in that generation? <laughs> okay. Are they still together? First question, are they together or is she his no, ex-partner? No, ex, Oh, right? even worse. No, they're still together now. Are they? Do you mean after the weekend? No, yeah. no, they're together. They were together at the time of the Usher dancing. Yeah. But he's deleted some pics from his social media, so we're thinking maybe they're not together anymore. I have some empathy with Darius. Oh, oh my God. My I know it's God. an unpopular opinion. I know... <gasps> 
that I am the put your pants on member of this podcast and I need to be true to myself. If I was with someone and they were posting sexualized photos of themselves and thrusting around with someone, I would find that quite humiliating. Okay, your husband is a CEO, so it would be weird if he did that. It would. But Kiki Palmer is a performer. But if you're I've just remembered this has happened to me very recently. Every year, Brent's Christmas party at his work is a dress-up, right? And several years ago, he posted, because Brent just posts whatever on Facebook. He's not thinking about his brand. He's not that guy, right? It's one of the things we love about Brent. He posted a picture of himself and one of his co-workers who was in a, shall we call it, a sexy dress-up outfit. Mm -hmm. You know how for women often there are only two choices? Sexy cat. Sexy and funny. Sexy Santa. (laughs) She was in the sexy Santa. It was sexy Santa. She was in a very sexy Santa. And the angle on the photo (laughs) looked quite incriminating, my friends and everyone in the world had so much fun with this image, right? I would not have been happy about that. I was a little bit cranky. Yeah. I said to Brent, do you think that you could not? And he, I know it's not that I thought he was doing anything. Maybe Darius did think Kiki was doing something. But I was like a bit embarrassed because my friends all lolled and lolled and sent me messages. disrespectful. But the difference is, right, and this is both these men need to learn this lesson. I learned it early, early, early in my relationships. You can't change people. You can't control people. If you spend your life trying to change and control people, you are going to be miserable. Jonah Hill can think that he wants a girl who's going to follow all his rules and all his boundaries and a girl or woman might think for a while she can fit into that box yeah. for him. It never works. I've never seen it work. If someone wants to cheat on you, they're going to cheat on you. Mm-hmm. If someone is a scumbag, they will continue to be a scumbag no matter how many times you give them a list of rules of all the things they must mm. not do to be a scumbag. At the end of the day, it was a bit embarrassing for me that Brent appeared to be sexy dancing with sexy Santa. Mm. But really, like, it's not a big enough deal that I would publicly shame you him. You didn't for. post, you were dad. Well, yeah, because if he was going to do something with sexy Santa, he was going to do something with sexy Santa. I, I don't think this was fear that she was actually cheating. I think it is, you shamed me publicly yes. and now I'm going to shame you publicly. But, but that is disgusting sentiment in terms of ownership. And his entire tone, especially in that second tweet, is basically about, if you're a wife and a mother, you're a representation of me and I have standards and morals and you have to adhere to Just them. Just like Jonah, he has standards and morals. Yeah. Brunch only. Yeah. Out loud, as we have a question for you, should you change the way you post when you're in a relationship? Should that even factor into the decision about the types of photographs that you post? I decided to take control of my life and start a diary to tell the truth about Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones just turned 25. Gosh. The novel, that is. Remember reading? Is that the same age as Sex in the City? Did they both just turn 25? They did. Oh, what a time. What a time it was. (laughs) It was was a pretty golden age of Generation X. Transgressive time. And like most people in their mid-20s, Bridget Jones is currently facing a bit of a reckoning. Helen Fielding wrote her best-selling series 25 years ago and it's back in the headlines being observed under a very 2023 lens in a New York Times story that has basically said we deserved better than what Bridget Jones 
gave us. I suddenly realized that unless something changed soon, I was going to live a life where my major relationship was with a bottle of wine. And I'd finally die fat and alone and be found three weeks later, half eaten by wild dogs. Or I was about to turn into Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. Her obsession with weight, her calorie counting, the fact that she was smoking, the fact that she desperately wanted a boyfriend and then a husband. I won't say there are calls for her to be cancelled retrospectively, but I know a lot of women who read this piece in the New York Times and shared it in group chats saying that they found it really annoying, the scoldy tone of this writer. Holly, you into cancelling Bridget Jones? (laughs) Hell no, definitely not. It's so funny when I read this article, which is such a boo hiss, like it's such a serious face, like if it had a persona, this article, it would just be somebody just like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, can't have joy over yourself. Anyway, the reason that Bridget Jones was a publishing phenomenon, and if you didn't live through that time, it's hard to understand how massive that was. And this is before the movies, right? And then that was a whole other thing. Those books were absolutely massive. The first one in particular, they got progressively worse, as that often happens, because like all great art, (laughs) it spoke the unspoken and it made a group of people who were not being listened to feel seen. Now, it's weird now, right, 25 years ago to go, what, sort of middle class white ladies who think they're fat, we want them to feel seen. But this was a voice that you weren't hearing in all their kind of flawed, messed up glory. And a whole lot of women did relate. Mm. It was the 90s. She was single and didn't really want to be, but she also thought that all her married friends were really annoying and she didn't really want to be them either. And she was in her early 30s, wasn't she? Yeah, that's their tension that a lot of women could feel. There were some lines in that book and in that movie that just made me gasp in recognition because my life was actually very similar. I was never as posh as Bridget. I never got to go to so many garden parties dressed as naughty bunny girls and stuff. But, you know, I drank too much with my friends and every day the next day would wake up and go, I'm not doing that again. Oh my God, I'm so bad. I drank too much wine and I went home with the wrong guy, whatever. I smoked ciggies. You know, my friends were my life and my family. And I was seeing all that being reflected. I remember there's a great bit in Bridget Jones where one of her married friends is like, why is it there are so many unmarried women in their 30s these days, Bridget? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Suppose it doesn't help that underneath our clothes, our entire bodies are covered in scales. Reptilian scales, like there's something wrong with us. Like it was a group of women who have been ignored, being heard. And it's so funny now to look back at that and think that was empowering because... It's easy now to see all the things that were wrong with that. There's no question that you read that book and the talk about calories and weight and all those things is shocking. But hang on a second. It's still what happens. Exactly. The fact that she weighs herself every day and writes her weight in her diary, it drives me crazy this idea that because we're not meant to feel that way, we're meant to be body positive, when you aren't because society basically tells you that you don't look right constantly, you then are also meant to feel bad about the fact that you're not body positive, so you lose twice. Well, that's the thing that's interesting and I really want to hear what Claire thinks about this, but this idea that if I read that New York Times piece and they say, young women reading this today would not relate to lots of things, so the body stuff for sure, the 
being sexually harassed at work by your boss who you kind of fancy, but still at the end of the day, she was being mm. treated pretty awfully. Which was true of the time. The fact that your friends and your family would walk around going, TikTok, biological clock, and things like that. And this writer was saying, all of that is just stuff that a new generation wouldn't recognize. And I would say, if that's true, then great. Job done. Lots of progress, very happy. But I suspect that in this culture we live in, which is still all about filters and and injectables and weight loss drugs and people are getting married earlier and all those things, like I suspect people, women still do feel like that. You're just not allowed to say so. The tone of this article made me furious. There's a line the writer says, imagine what a millennial would say to a casual acquaintance who had the audacity to broach the subject of the biological clock. They do. They do. <laughs> You're like, exactly the age In that fact, Richard I'm more aware of it than ever. Literally, I'm like, oh, no, sorry, that's absolutely still happening. <laughs> and sorry, do you think we now have the confidence to say something about it? Because we absolutely do not. There's another section where the writer just goes on and on about how being neurotic isn't cute and it's like, Cute isn't cute. Neither is flustered, mudcap, zany, flighty, flaky, harried or hapless, all adjectives that apply to Bridget. And it's like the idea of what a woman is allowed to be is just getting narrower and narrower every time we tear apart some depiction of a woman. I think there's a difference when you look at movies like this and on my other podcast, Cancelled, we've done Bridget Jones, we've done Love Actually. The Notebook. We're about to do The Notebook. I think there's a difference between laughing about something like Bridget Jones, like the fact that she's 32 and the vibe from her family is that she's geriatric and needs to be put in a home. And and also it's worth calling out that in the movie she's Renee Zellweger and she's being treated as if she's somehow the most unattractive and obese person. And, you know, there's that meme that did the rounds that was absolutely spot on that was saying this is the woman we were all very happy to fat shame and she was what a size 10 yeah, or something yeah. I mean that's all worth calling out I don't think that's like not worth calling out but and I think doing it in a way that's kind of full of humor and a little bit of affection whereas seriously critiquing it for not living up to the standards of today is ridiculous because of course it didn't because it wasn't written today I think sometimes those comparisons can be helpful and interesting though because What would have been more interesting is if the writer had done a bit of a comparison, instead of just trashing Bridget, when you look at some of the characters that are written now, and you've just written one, a woman older than Bridget Jones, but for the TV show Strife, and if you look at Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Fleabag, there are lots of those kinds of characters now that are more multifaceted than Bridget Jones was. I mean, there were a lot of things, even though it was groundbreaking at the time, which it should be acknowledged for, there were also a lot of sort of cliches and there wasn't a lot of nuance to her character and a lot of different facets to her character, which I think probably people wouldn't accept as much now, but it was a comedy. Also, she doesn't represent all women. No, and she represents a character. Like I think, and as I was saying at the beginning, she made a particular group of women go like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard this story. Now we have heard that story and we've heard it retold lots of times in lots of different ways and from different perspectives, which is great. But that doesn't discount that at the time it was a voice we wanted to hear. And we tend to do this so much with women's stories. Whenever we revisit books or movies, we tend to really look at women and critique how they're depicted as though the way one woman is depicted needs to make a statement about all women. And 
to me, like, Mia, I know what you're saying that, you know, there's some level of nuance that isn't in Bridget Jones's character. And again, that's just anachronism. It's like, well, it was a different time. It was Mm. in the past. But you know what's radical about Bridget Jones and is still somewhat radical is the idea that women are funny. And the idea that women are flawed and still lovable and the idea that we are all on a silent, private, weird self-improvement journey that we never get to the end of, but people love us anyway. And granny pants. Yeah. And also a woman in a lead role at the centre of a film who doesn't have a makeover and isn't like Jennifer Aniston or Cameron Diaz. We don't look back on Jane Austen and yell that it's sexist because the women didn't work because we acknowledge that it was <laughs> And that they were basically married off for money. Exactly, because we go, that was a moment in time. Why didn't they have jobs? Yeah, and so I don't know why we can't do that with the more recent parts. Also, why can't you just, like, the thing that was great about Bridget Jones is that, as you've said, Claire, it was funny, but also that particular time in the 90s in London that she's describing and living through, I lived through it too, it was fun. It was fun. Mm eating too much, smoking ciggies, sleeping with your bad boss. I'm sorry, it was fun. And why do we have to be so scoldy about it in retrospect? And we're scoldy about things women enjoy, such as chiclet. The Bridget Jones film is one of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> Rewatched it recently. Just excellent. Anything that brings women joy, we have to say that it's lowbrow and stupid and that we're idiots for enjoying it. We'll put a link to the cancelled episode of... Bridget Jones, which is a cracker, in the show notes. If you want to make Mum Mia out loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mum Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. Meow, I'm greeting you today to explain a much maligned and some would say exploited group of people. And by people, I broadly mean young people, and by young people, I mean people younger than me. And they are called furries. One of the most misunderstood groups on the internet. One day my brother and I were hanging out on the trampoline when I was seven, and he was like, ew, furries are gross. And I was like, what's a furry? And then I looked it up and I fell in love. Today we're going to hang out with some furries. Now, a furry is someone who feels a deep connection with or even assumes the characteristics of a particular species of animal. Specifically, what's the word? I'm going to get it wrong. Claire Stevens going to help me with it. When you make an animal like a person, what's that word? Anthropomorphize. That's it. That's what they do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say. So that means giving an animal human human characteristics. characteristics. Walking on two feet, Mm -hmm. riding a skateboard perhaps, wearing a jaunty hat. They're not really new. Let's say they were invented by some more like adult corners of the internet quite a long time ago, 60s, 70s. In relatively recent times, furrydom has seeped out of that specific section of subculture. So it used to be a bit of a kink. I think I did stories on it when I was in magazines. There's a kink and there still is a kink element to some furries, like to some furry world. They like to dress up as animals and get on on with other furries. But not all furries like doing that. That's not what furries is all about. Okay, It's an element of furrydom, Mm -hmm. right? But now it's kind of seeped out of that more specific place to become quite a big part of youth culture. Think kids wearing cat ears, right? Maybe paws and a tail. Maybe a whole furry animal head or like one of those outfits that a mascot wears at a football game, you know, where they're running around pretending to be a bull or whatever. So kids are wearing these. 
teenagers are wearing them, if mm-hmm. they can afford the whole furry suit or maybe just a hat or maybe just some paws. Kids communicating in meows, barks or purrs. Kids wanting to eat out of a bowl or be patted or tickled. Now, I'm trying not to laugh, right, because when I was researching this, there is a serious side to furry life and most furries have something called a fursona, which is the person that they are when they're in their furriness. So when I'm wearing my cat hat, I might have a different name. I might give myself a different name and I might behave in a different way and it's kind of like a self-expression, a safe space to be as weird as you want, basically. I would say weird in inverted commas, but you know what I mean. You also might have heard about furries in relation to kids asking people to validate their furry status. There have been some headlines around the world, but in Australia recently about, for example, teenage girl demands school recognize her status as a cat. And then lots of people going, the world's gone mad. We knew this is where all this self-identification stuff was going to end. Oh my God, the sky is falling. Now kids cats at school. And in fact, when Mia first mentioned this to me a while ago, I told her she had been the victim of fake news. Because it does tie very neatly into a sort of worldview that, you know, self-identification when it comes to gender and sexuality. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery say. slope. Some people think that. So Mia was telling me about it and I was like, whatever, Mia, you've been sucked in. That's not happening. Then my daughter told me about the furries at her school. They're not demanding to be identified as cats. Let's be really clear. But there is a group of kids, just like there's like an emo group of kids with the floppy fringe who are listening to serious music. And there's like a skater group of kids and there's an Eshe group of kids, whatever. There's also a furry group of kids who meow and bark and dress furry. What do they wear? Tails. They wear, well, if they can get away with it, they wear paws. You can wear makeup, like caddish. There is so much. If you start looking at furry stuff on TikTok and Instagram and all the places, you will see acres of furry inspo. So is it like being a goth or is it saying I identify as a cat? It's either a subculture or it is a really dedicated fandom. You know how the world is getting more and more sort of dissected into fan groups? So some people say furries are no more extreme than like Swifties, right? Or really intense football fans, you know, who that's a big part of their identity is I love Taylor Swift. I love the Cowboys, right? These but kids not, love, I am a cowboy or I am Taylor but Swift. I don't, it's different. Not all furries are saying that. It's not about that. And so that argument that's is the, the one important bit. that's been taken by the right wing to say they're identifying as cats and they're demanding to be called cats. There's not a lot of evidence. There's like that. maybe a few are, but in general, mm. furries are just a group of kids. So I have two questions for Claire Stevens. Can we pay teachers enough money to put up with being meowed at at school? <laughs> and why might kids want to identify as animals instead of kids? Well, if you ever needed reminding that teachers are underpaid, this, <laughs> this is it. Right. <laughs> and not just because, and I have spoken to some teachers in my life, they might be barked at by yeah. a kid who's acting like a dog. But because they're now on the front lines of a story that's being politically weaponized. weaponized. Mm. So firstly, it is misleading to say kids are wanting to identify as animals. Instead, people who study furries and furry culture say they identify with animals. Are yeah. they- can you do a doctorate? You can. No, you actually can. Well, Claire oh, okay. and I must have gone to the same yeah. site. There's like a furry science place. There are yeah. experts wow. in this. Yeah. And so usually the furry subculture involves being into artwork and cosplaying and interacting online with like-minded people, that sort of thing. You might go to a party, like a furry party, a furry convention. 
Like how when I was at school, exactly what you said, Holly, there might be emos. There were people who were really obsessed with horses. There was the horse Mm, group. Anime. Yeah. And it can be a really important source of identity for kids and for kids who might be neurodiverse and find it hard to get a sense of community elsewhere. The scary thing is that a lot of right-wing voices, particularly right-wing politicians in the US, are using the whole furry story to create a false equivalency with kids identifying as trans. They're essentially saying, this is what happens, things have gone too far. In an article in The Spectator, one commentator says, After all, if the correct approach when faced with a child identifying as a member of the opposite sex is to endorse their self-diagnosis, then schools are bound to adopt the same affirmative attitude when children identify as cats or dogs. Is it true that they've been demanding kitty litter in the bathrooms? No, no. (laughs) So that that is so far an urban myth. And Mm. Joe Rogan actually said that on his podcast. Then it must be true. No, well, he actually had to go back after a huge investigation that found Nobody could find any evidence of this and he actually reneged on what Look, he said. some teenagers are shit stirrers. I am not going to suggest that it has never happened that a teenager at a school would not be like, and why can't we have litter boxes in the bathrooms? <laughs> but, no but it's teacher. not the same as like they are trying to actively campaign that this is a right that is as equal as any other. But this is exactly the hysteria that happened alongside same-sex marriage, where people said, if we let people of the same sex get married, what's next? People marrying their siblings? Absolutely not. In The Spectator, this commentator said doctors were going to nod enthusiastically when a teenage girl insisted she was a grub and then wanted surgery to have her arms and legs removed. Like, that's just (laughs) absolutely absurd. And a UK safeguarding group have issued advice not to overreact or ridicule, and that's been understood as teachers are being asked to affirm that kids are cats and dogs, and that's absolutely not what it is. In the exact same way a teacher would behave towards emos or Swifties, you don't humiliate a kid, you don't embarrass them, you don't say you're a loser. You simply kind of keep the rules of the school while allowing people to have their own identity. Claire, as a spokesperson for furries, Mm. are they trolling us? Or no. are they just no, and really into something or is it a bit of both? And Depends. some right-wing voices seem to think that these are people like kind of going for the woke mob and seeing how far it can go, but it's like they're kids. This is what no one seems to acknowledge. Kids are weird and annoying. And they also yeah. like belonging to groups. Yes. When I was looking at this, there's obviously a furry contingent in Sydney just as there is everywhere else. And, you know, you'll find videos of them getting together in parks and wearing their outfits and putting stickers on trains and, you know, like it's a sense of belonging. It's an obsession of fandom, a sense of belonging. And that's what all fandom is about, whether it's about sport or Swifty or fur. There were odd kids in my primary school, in my high school, and now some of those quirky kids are barking. That's kind of just what the quirky kids are doing now and it is not the issue that people are turning it into. It is not that primary schools or high schools cannot function because kids are turning up being like, I'm a dog, woof, 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 I need somewhere to do my business that isn't the toilet. Take this as your PSA (laughs) of like if you go to the furry site, it tells you what to do as a parent if your kid comes home and says they're a furry and this is your PSA to not panic. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) don't panic, it's okay. I have a recommendation. Over the weekend, I watched an excellent movie that was released in 2019 and went under the radar, which I feel like a lot of good movies are because we're so obsessed with TV. 
It's a legal thriller starring Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway. Oh, I like him. Anything with Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. Where do I start? Yeah. Gen X first trip, Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> who has been the Hulk, you know. Just save the world in spotlight. I like him a lot. I really hope no text messages get leaked that yeah. shows that he's no. not a good dude. No, that would ha- break man. my little heart. I mm-hmm. know. So it's called Dark Waters. Your grandma tells me her grandson's some fancy environment lawyer down in Cincinnati. I am a corporate defense attorney. So? I defend chemical companies. Well, now you can defend me. How many did you lose? 190. 190 cows. You tell me nothing's wrong here. That's chemicals, I'm telling you. I'm seeing documents I don't understand. They're hiding something. And it's based on a true story that I had no idea about and that now terrifies me. Basically, it follows a corporate defence lawyer, played by Mark Ruffalo, who's asked to investigate some weird animal deaths in Parksburg, West Virginia. Basically, these cows just keep dying and they've got all these cancers and this farmer is really upset about it and he's like, oh, I'll look at it. It turns out they're linked to a chemical manufacturing company, DuPont, and after all this research, and this guy is just so, so, so determined, he works out that there's this chemical called C8 that's used to manufacture Teflon. And Teflon is in like frying non-stick. pans. Is like this a non-stick. true story, did you this say? This is a true story. Mm-hmm. So Teflon that's in frying pans and that was on carpet flooring and that sort of thing, that chemical was causing cancer and birth defects. And in this particular town... How did the cows get hold of it? Because it had been dumped in this particular town and therefore infiltrated the water. And so all these people in this town were Mm. having birth defects and all these different kinds of cancers. Yes, it's very Erin Brockovich. What does Anne Hathaway do in this movie? She's the wife, but she's also very clever and she supports him. The fascinating thing is that, yes, it's kind of this little town that it affects and he advocates for them and gets them all this money, but the fact that apparently almost every living being in the world now has this chemical C8 inside us because it can't be broken down and it builds builds up over time and it's because of this freaking chemical company, DuPont, who was so good at fighting against it and like, oh, no, it's actually fine when it wasn't. So does that mean we shouldn't have Teflon fry pans? Did they say Uh, that in the movie? Google it. Because if it goes up, no, 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 seriously, Google it. No, seriously, Google it. Because if you fry something at a certain heat, it's completely unsafe and you should replace them. So, guys, this is why I don't cook. It's dangerous. Exactly. dangerous. What's it called? Dark waters, but it made me really scared, scared particularly oh, particularly with all the Diet Coke stuff. Okay. It's like, guys, big companies can hide this information. We need to give her a recommendation yeah. for something to cheer her we up. We also need to give her some boundaries around <laughs> recommendations. The way it works, Claire, is that we don't traumatise out no. louders with our recommendations. They'll love it because it's Mark Ruffalo saving the world. And you know what? I'm just going to turn the sound off that and just lawyer, press pause. And that lawyer still be fighting. And he's going to save us all because it's Mark Ruffalo. If you want a recommendation that isn't going to depress you, yes. we've got a subs episode Please. that recaps. And just like that, the best episode so far by a long way. Oh, my gosh. It was good. It was when Carrie ran into Enid and Enid started a, a 
and media company for older ladies. Or we could all relate. And then she's trying to get Carrie to give us some money for it and Carrie's trying to get Enid to blurb her book. Can you tell that Holly really wants to be involved in yeah. that? Yeah. Like, I wasn't on the recap, but now I'm like auditioning to be allowed in. Guys, if you want to know what dust balls are, Yes, such a good uh, episode. We talk about it at length. There'll be a link in the show notes. And Holly <laughs> has shoved her way into the studio for this week's episode recap, which will drop later in the week. But you can listen to all of our recaps of the episodes so far via the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to Australia's number one news and pop culture show. This episode was produced by Susanna Makin and Talissa Bazaz with audio production by Leah Porges. Bye. 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 Shout out to any Mamma Mia subscribers listening. If you love the show and you want to support us, subscribing to Mamma Mia is the very best way to do it. There's a link in the episode description.